can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you've, I, I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 223 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It's your Thursday edition. I am Paul Spore. Joined as always on Thursdays by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going, sir? Uh, doing good. I love, I love Thursdays. It's, uh, the weekend is close and, uh, tomorrow's park day and, uh, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a good day. Oftentimes I agree. Day baseball. Yep. That's, uh, that was the point. First point I was going to make. Another great thing about Thursdays is day baseball. There's only two games today, but they're nice. You know, they're spread out. Uh, so you can pretty much watch each of them, uh, as you kind of lead into the, the, the evening games. Um, uh, I, I kind of liked, those early starts, those uh, 5 o'clock central starts that they were having, those almost functioned as day baseball. I think it was the Cleveland series uh, and, and a Boston-Toronto series maybe. There were a couple series this week that had some some earlier games. And when you had day baseball with those, you were really getting a nice, you know, noon, 3, 5, <laughs> 6, 8, and then uh, and then the 9 o'clock starts. Yeah, that, I, I like that. But, uh, you know, Thursdays are great. We've got plenty to cover. Uh, we've got to do a couple follow-ups. It's crazy. We had, a, we had a great episode on, on Tuesday. I was really psyched about it. I thought we had some great analysis. And then huge things, like huge uh, definitive answers on things that we had speculated about because we didn't have the firm answers, came out like shortly after. Shortly after, we talked about Jed Lowry's thumb saying, oh, hopefully it's not too much. He has to go back to Houston. But, you know, ho- hopefully it's not crazy. Boom, poof, toast. <laughs> uh, surgery, you know, big, big time injury. We talked a little bit about the uh, uh, Toronto situation, and we weren't even ready to give it back to Cecil. Well, it turns out John Gibbons and company was. I was, you know, we were saying, hey, got to keep Cecil because we know that they're going to have a short leash. We just don't know when. And literally, like an hour later, he he uh, Cecil was named as the closer there. So those are just a couple things of follow up here. Um, Let's dive right into the injuries, starting with that that Lowry injury. Obviously, we, we we talked a bit about it. I think we talked about some potential shortstops. Let's talk about the in-house options. They're going to go with Marwin Gonzalez and Jonathan VR in the short term. Let me ask you: Do you feel that they're and and I know that we never know, right? I, I, even as guys who cover the game as hardcore as we can and do. We don't know when guys are going to get called up because a lot of times teams don't. But do you see a legitimate situation where Carlos Correa at age 20 would be called up? He's currently in AA raking, but uh, again, very young and and might still even need some AAA seasoning to get there. Is there a chance that if they're still contending and Marwin and VR are not getting it done, that they just go to the future and say, listen, man, we're going to give you a shot. What do you think? You know, I think he's too young. I mean, it's 84 play appearances in Double A, and he's not even 21 yet. Can't buy beer. <laughs> nope. So, uh, so how can he celebrate? 
no, I, I feel like, um, you know, I think that he's, uh, he's gonna, they're gonna give him some time. I know that the Astros are in first and that might change the calculus a little bit, but they've always been about building for the long term. If they bring him up now, he's super two. And if they wait a month, he's not, you know, uh, maybe a little more than a month. But in any case, um, that, that means something for, you know, how expensive he's going to get and how quickly. Plus, there's just the fact 84 play appearances. Plus, there's the fact that if you, you know, talk to talent evaluators, evaluators that are smarter than I, uh, most of them say he's close. He's almost ready. Almost. But so. yeah, but not quite. I've heard, you know, I've heard similar. So good. Everyone's super amped on him, but I haven't really heard anybody suggest that, oh yeah, he come up right now and, and dominate or, or, you know, even really hold his own. Cause I just, I think it, I think it'll be tough. You know, it, it's just so rare. Obviously we don't know. I wouldn't really see it, uh, until July at the earliest. Obviously circumstances could change, but if I was speculating and I wouldn't even put a large percentage on it. I would say maybe like a 5% situation and it would, it would, again, it would require Marwin Gonzalez and Jonathan VR to just be playing so horribly and probably, probably booting the ball. Not even so much that their offense would have to be bad because, uh, Jonathan VR is already there, albeit in just 17 plate appearances. He, he's scuffling a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think it would have to be a defensive situation where they're just booting the ball, Ian Desmond style, all over the joint. Yeah. And then they'd be like, yeah. listen, we're going to bring him up almost, bring Correa up almost as a catcher situation where we're going to say, focus on the defense. We're going to bat you ninth. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. So, because, you know, the projections for the two, uh, there's a 260 projection from Steamer, 260, uh, uh, Woba projection. Oh, am I looking at the right number? Uh, I got to make sure I didn't look at Babbitt there. Um, let's see here. There's a, yeah, I was looking at Babbitt. Damn. Okay. So let's just look at WRC plus. There's a, uh, 63 from steamer and a 91 from zips for Korea. Okay. Uh, zips is, that's pretty excited. Zips is um, yeah, pretty geeked on him. Uh, but zips is also more geeked on Marwin 82 and steamer is, uh, got a 76. So because, you know, because Marwin's more fully formed and has played in the major leagues, the, the variance between the two is smaller. Sure. Uh, that's, I think that's what you're kind of looking for in a team like the Astros, just sort of, you know, here's a guy who's going to be 20% worse than, than the league with a stick, rather than here's a guy who we're going to make him more expensive, and he could be anywhere from 10% worse than the league with a stick to 40% worse. Than <laughs> exactly. No, and so that, that, that the they got to play. Defense they, is going to be the decider. Yeah, they'd have to get backed into a corner to call up Carlos Correa. Let's talk about some other uh, injury news. It's looking like Albert Pujols is going to avoid the DL, but he did come out with a left hamstring injury uh, from the, the Wednesday night game, I believe, and uh, not in the lineup because they have an afternoon game on Thursday. But he said he feels okay. Nothing. I, I don't think it's anything to get worried about right now, but Pujols obviously uh, isn't playing all that well just yet either. He's got the three bombs, so so we're, we're cool with that. But his rates are, are kind of kind of meh. Uh, I haven't seen a ton of Angels games, so maybe the numbers are are misleading. And you know he's striking a bunch of, of, of well hit balls and going for outs. But Pujols not off to a great start statistically um, outside of the power. Which hey, that's what we want. We want power from him. So uh, I think he'll get hot. Are you worried about the hammy at all uh, for the thirty five year old? 
I mean, it's it's how it's gonna go, you know, like how it's how it's gonna go, like when it goes, you know, it's yep. gonna it's gonna be like this. It's gonna be, you know, um, days on the DL and and you know days that he's not on the DL but he's missing the game anyway, that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, in terms of his play discipline, things are fine. His power is, is you know down down every year, and this year it's league average. But league average power with his good contact rates should still be like a 280, 20, 25 home run guy at first base, and that's still you know still relevant. I think it's still top twelve uh, with the dearth of power out there. And um, you know, as in terms of when it comes to the hard you know hard hits sort of stuff. Um, you know, one thing I do like about him is that um, he goes oppo a lot. He's going oppo less this year, um, but it's still a lot of uh, up the middle, so that's good. Um, he's his soft, medium, hard percentage, which is now up on the leaderboards, um, is interesting. He's he's mostly medium. It's twenty percent soft, twenty four percent hard, and then fifty five percent medium. So, where, where do I uh, find this in regards to? Oh, I see it now. Sweet. Yeah, battle uh, ball on the. Um, that's it's on the batted ball. I don't know if it's on his page necessarily. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking at the uh, the leaderboard right now. Let me go to Pujols' individual page see if it's there. I like that. The soft percent, medium percent, uh, hard percent. Yeah, that's, I have yeah, seen it. It's not on player pages just but yet. But. On the leaderboard. but you know what you can do if you want to look at one player is, is uh, make a custom player list, add Albert Pujols as a, as a custom player, um, and then you can play around with it. And you can see that like this year it's 20-50-20. Um, and last year, uh, if we have the data, it was, uh, 145036. And that's soft, medium, hard in that order right. for pools. So, so okay. he's traded, he's basically been 50% medium, uh, for a couple of years, but he's been trading hard for soft a little bit. Yeah, 50% in 2013, it was 50% medium, 36% hard, 12% soft. So he's traded some hard for soft, and that's not good. Um, you know, I mean, we're still even the way it is. A 207 BABIP is 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 pretty bad, and um, I doubt that um, he's going to stick around there. I like that his, you know, he's he's walking a little bit more. Um, still doesn't strike. I mean, Pujols, he, he's ridiculous. So that that's not going to be a major situation, at least not right now. We'll we'll, we'll monitor it, of course. Um, and, and again, given the luck of Tuesday. That we're going to learn about 30 minutes after we post this that he actually popped the hamstring and his career is over. Uh, that that's just the way it, it's going. Um, another this one was, uh, could be a bigger injury. We just don't know right now, but it, it looked pretty severe when it happened. Alcides Escobar gets hit uh, with like 96. It looked like a glance off the helmet to save him from from you know super awfulness. Um, Alcides Escobar when he got hit by the Danny Salazar pitch, but obviously still not good, clearly dazed, being called just a left cheek contusion though. So, you know, looks like uh, the con- concussion test came out pretty good. He's probably going to miss a couple days um, and maybe could hit the disabled list, obviously, if it lingers. But right now it's looking like Alcides Escobar kind of came out of that pretty well, all things considered. Obviously still a terrible, frightening situation, but looking like one of the better case scenarios for Escobar. And thankfully, since Jordano Ventura was on the mound, we didn't see him then try to, you know, knock the teeth out of uh, Carlos Santana with a ball or, or, or something. He, he instead, uh, Ventura instead decided to just get uh, pounded himself by the Indians and, and end with an early day. I think he was out after five and two thirds. So uh, this is more of a broad question about Alcides Escobar. What do you think? 
about him this year. Obviously, he's missed time now with two different injuries that, you know, the, the, the hard slide that obviously generated a lot of uh, story and, and, and controversy. And then, of course, this hit in the face. Two things that are, you know, kind of beyond his control here that are costing him time. The one thing that you loved about Escobar is that he went out there every day and he was, you know, going to give you that volume just by playing every day because his defense is so good. It's been a little bit stunted this year, but do you like him as an overall player, as a tw- top 12 shortstop type? Yeah, back end. Uh, I mean, he's certainly faring better. We, we said that you could put him in the mix with Ibar and Segura and he's, and he's, you know, faring better than the, than the crowd, um, even with the, the issues that he's had. Um, you know, I, I still think that Segura has more power and I know he's, you know, he had a good beginning and then has you know, kind of gone into the tank recently. I mean, it's what, it's in the water in Milwaukee or something. Um, right. and you know, the power isn't quite, um, isn't quite coming back, but at least the batting average is, and, um, he has more power and probably more steals upside, uh, than Alcides. So if you, you could make the switch, I don't know. I, I, I might rather have Segura, Segura but they're, they're still in that same mix. And, um, I don't think that this, as it stands now, I don't think it means that much. Now, I, I, I thankfully, uh, like I said, got the best end of, of what, what could have been a, a, a total disaster for LCD's Escobar. Probably going to miss a few days. Stay tuned. He'd probably be placed on the disabled list over the weekend if it were going to happen. But otherwise, you should probably have him back in your lineup uh, over the weekend. This one's a little bit worse. Uh, this was a couple days ago now. Archie Bradley was hit with a liner. And one of the – I think it was tweeted out by Ken Rosenthal that it was one of the 12 hardest hit balls of the season came back. He took it off the face. You know, his face super swelled up. But again, all things considered, R.G. Bradley came away with one of the better case scenarios here because walked off on his own power, you know, doesn't appear to even have a concussion. Uh, You know, what's that? Just a little broken nose, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, again, not great. But when you're talking about the things that could happen on 113 mile an hour, Carlos Gonzalez hit back up the middle off your face. He got it on the good end here, so that's good. He is on the disabled list. Archie Bradley will miss the time here, but I've even heard talk that if the swelling went down uh, in a reasonable time, he could be on a minimum stay. And and so, you know, he's ready to get back out there. What, had you seen uh, any of his starts? And if you had, what were you thinking of, of the early returns from Archie Bradley prior to this uh, horrible incident? It's just, I mean, it's just so weird that he's not throwing the the – the third pitch at all. And it's not, you know, he said he was working on a slider cutter type thing uh, in the, in the AFL. He's not throwing that. He he knows he's been working, you know, everyone knows he's been working on the changeup forever. He's just not throwing it. And he's, I mean, he's just peripherally, I know that like watching him, the, the fastball looks good and the curve is, you know, it's a nice sort of power, power curve type thing. Um, knuckle curve situation, but it's just not, you know, when you look at the peripherals, it's not exciting. There's not, you know, there's no plus whiff rate on any pitch. Um, there's no plus grounder rate. And somehow he's made it work so far without, you know, doing the things that you normally see. You know, what, what, what I'm seeing from him is uh, is survival. He's not yeah. – he doesn't appear to necessarily be – I don't want to say comfortable because I feel like he is comfortable out there. He understands that he belongs. But he is still obviously learning the ropes. And so Bradley is content – to try to, you know, have them beat the ball into the ground, um, you know, 60% ground ball rate, giant left on base rate, tiny Babbitt, you know, things like that right now. 
any way he can get outs, he will take them. He, you know, we are not seeing Bradley go for big strikeouts. The walks are still through the roof almost as they always are. Um, but I'm kind of impressed with how he's kind of working through this so far. I'm very interested to see him get back on the mound. I still think there, the, the star potential that he's been tagged with, I still think it's very legitimate. Um, and, you know, obviously through four starts, we wouldn't have any reason to suggest otherwise anyway. But I've just been impressed with the way he's kind of grinding it out, not really being stubborn about stuff, saying, you know what, this isn't working right now. Um, and obviously doesn't trust that third pitch like you mentioned. But I'm, I'm pretty excited for the, for the long-term possibilities. And, I, and by long-term, I just mean the rest of the season even uh, of Bradley. I feel like he could have a big second half. Again, let's assume he gets back on track here after 15, 20 days. Um, but, but once he gets back on the mound, I'm pretty excited about Archie Bradley's prospects. I mean, and when it comes to this injury, this is stuff I don't, we don't normally do, but, um, he's a bulldog kind of, I mean, he, right? and he's a former, you know, he's a, he was a big football player too. And I don't know, I'm not going to translate that to success on the mound, but I think I can say just from talking to him a couple of times that this won't, this won't make him tentative, you no, know, I, 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 get back I, on the mound and, and do what he's been doing. Now I, do, I don't, I'm not sure if he can continue to do what he's doing without the changeup, but um, you know, I don't, I don't think that uh, we need to worry about, you know, him being afraid of going inside or whatever. Agreed. Agreed. Th- th- that's kind of, yeah, I was taking the long way of saying that because uh, I, I just didn't have that phrase front of mind, but yeah, we don't use it a lot because it's not necessarily quantifiable, but listening to him talk, you said you've, you've spoken to him yourself, watching him out there, you do get that bulldog mentality, and that's why he's saying whatever works can work right now. I, I know it's not pretty, but, but that 60% ground ball rate, it is pretty, so I'll, I'll take that. So keep, keep Bradley right now. Maybe even go out and try to buy him, I, I'd say, if, if there's any measure of a discount based on this, uh, on this injury, I'd be willing to take it and, and, and invest now. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit more concerned about this next one here. Anthony Rendon is being held out of rehab games. Uh, and the last I heard, it was for injuries that weren't even related to the primary injury. They weren't related to the MCL here. It was a side injury that was keeping him out. This is a huge bummer. This is a guy I bought in on uh, coming into the year as, as kind of a late first-round pick, even in 15-team leagues, uh, because I just didn't worry about the skill. And I still don't worry about the skill. I think the skill uh, is firmly in place, but the health piece has always been the big issue with Anthony Rendon. We saw 153 games last year, and I think maybe myself uh, might have discounted the injury concern a little bit too much. Uh, and, of course, it's striking right away. He makes that diving play in spring training, hurts the MCL, hasn't played a, played a pitch yet in, in, the, uh, in the majors this season. So how worried are you about Anthony Rendon right now? I mean, there's nothing, he's definitely not droppable, there's too much talent, I'm not going to sell low, you know, it's just one of these situations where you're like, oh, please, just keep it together. Right. I mean, one thing I would say is that if somebody is valuing him at sort of 280-2020 or even 2015, uh, then maybe I would sell because uh, I doubt that he's going to steal 15 bases. That's the big part, yep. You know, on a bum knee and, and, a, and with a trick side. So, um, you know, Steamer has him 14-8. You know that that could be generous on the eight. Um, with the they might they might red light him. 
They might yeah. just say, listen, man, we need you out there hitting hitting the 21 and 83 homers and RBIs with the 287 average. Those were his numbers from last year. We need you out there trying to do that for the next, you know, 130 games whenever he is able to come back. You don't steal. You can't steal. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. And, of course, that, that robs a ton of fantasy value. And there'd be a fat chance that he'd be worth the 15th pick at that point. So, uh, thankfully, I still had a few drafts by the time the injury hit that I didn't get him everywhere because this was a guy I was, I was going after. I just, I, I love the game. Um, and I've always said that I'll, I'll bet on talent, uh, when the talent's in place and the health piece is the, is the missing ingredient. I, I'm willing to invest in those because when they, when they hit, it can be such a massive payoff like we saw last year. But now we're going to have to wait for Rendon. So sit tight. Like you said, unless somebody's willing to pay that first, second, third round, um, you know, value, even third round value, I'd, I'd be willing to listen. But anything below that, I think you're selling low and maybe doing yourself a disservice. Next up is Matt Latos, and it has been a not good season for him. Uh, velocity has obviously been down. He had that massacre opening outing. You know, he's, he's shown some flashes in the four starts since, but he's only made it longer than five in one of them. You know, he's got a 3.98 ERA in those four starts for Latos, 17 strikeouts in 20 innings, but in the midst of a, a decent-ish start um, on Wednesday, he left with a hammy. What are you doing with him in the 10 and 12 team mixers? Are, are, you, are you just dropping him? Are you dropping him everywhere outside of crazy deep, you know, NL only stuff? What are you doing with Latos right now? Are you at all encouraged that he's going to get back to a useful level? I'm not at all. I'm, That's I don't, unfortunate. I don't I mean, see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm moving that way. This is a guy I've gener- I've liked in the past. Um, for for the skills that he's had, but I'm really starting to move that way. Of, I think we just got to move on until until we have a uh, indication that he's healthy because the knee is still a bit of an issue too. Um, the the uh, what was it from last year? What didn't he have surgery on the knee? And I think that that's still a bit of an issue. And then the hamstring strain here. So I'm just getting mo- more and more worried about late, about Latos by the start. Yeah, I mean. He, I think he was uh, just, he just seemed like a guy that was built on athleticism, um, and um, you know, in terms of, I just don't see anything that tells me that I need to go get him now. You know, maybe uh, a few years back, I would have said 377 BABIP, um, you know, 56, 59% strand rate. Um, here's a guy who's getting unlucky, but you know, those sort of things, you know, kind of get uh, equalized by. FIP, which, you know, that's a, he's got a 408 there. That's not, that's not, in these days, that's not really enough. No. Uh, Sierra, you know, looks at his ground ball rate and, you know, all the different skills and gives him a 469 number. So even if we're just looking at these traditional peripherals, I don't think that the bad luck, if there is some bad luck, I mean, is there really bad luck when, um, when like if I if I pitched I wouldn't have a 300 Babbitt so thank, um, thank you so you know no, no, this, this is a point I've tried to pound home for years that you can't just use Babbitt and left on base as a luckometer and right. say that you know hey he's been unlucky it's a 377 he'll get back down to his 280 career no he's pitching like shit. So he's got a 377. Maybe it's a, it's a couple touches high at 377, but it should probably be at least 340. 
you know, and then the left on base is down at 59% on a career 73%. Okay, maybe it shouldn't be that low, but it should probably be like a 65. So yeah, I completely agree with you that we can't just even those two out and say, no, Latos will be fine. He's been unlucky. If you've watched him pitch, there's nothing unlucky about that. The only thing that's been unlucky uh, no, I, I thought I had a joke and I, I messed it. Continue. <laughs> I, I botched. I'm not even going to edit it out. I'm going to. I thought I had a joke and I pulled the cord at the last second. Forget it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, another guy you might feel similarly about. I, I know he's kind of a divisive guy. Some folks not a fan at all. I, I remain a fan. It's Phil Hughes. Um, got off to a slow start. Kind of, kind of throw in baseline quality start stuff. I mean, he allowed four. Uh, in his first start and third start, but he was kind of going that six and four, six and three kind of stuff, you know, just, just kind of keeping you in the game. And it wasn't really keeping the twins in the game because they can't hit for anything right now. So even four runs is kind of a nightmare, but then goes out to Seattle, throws a, a really nice effort and was pitching all right against Detroit yesterday. Not great, uh, by, by any stretch, you know, seven hits, but was pitching well enough, uh, but then leaves with a hip issue. So it looks like he has a hip flexor strain. What do you think about Phil Hughes? And the, and the reason I remain kind of steadfast with him, even after the slow start, is because he, he started almost the exact same last year. He had three straight starts of six and four, and then kind of went on his run. And he had a 538, 530 ERA after his first three starts this year. And then, you know, a, a really good one, and then a, a start to a decent one yesterday before he had to leave. If this injury isn't a major deal, I'm still interested. But what do you think of a mild left hip flexor strain for Mr. Phil Hughes? Um, you know, it's it's nice to see that he's kind of doing the same strikeout-to-walk ratio that he did last year, uh, despite the fact that he doesn't really um, have a great uh, pitch other than his rising fastball. Um, you know, and... Uh, it's just, you know, the, the Homer thing, uh, you know, you, you wonder about it and, you know, it's back, you know, has he, yeah, right. And he, has he been thinking about that? Um, you know, has it been, has it been hurting him? You know, it's, it, you don't know if this injury has anything to do with it and how long the injury has been around. Uh, but you know, the Homers are coming on the cutter, which is his newest version of, you know, his breaking ball basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the curve isn't giving up homers and it's getting a lot of grounders, but it gets no whiffs at all. So if he ever started saying, okay, well, I'm going to throw the curve more than the cutter, um, or the sinker more than the four seam to, to be safer or whatever, I think he'd start to be in real trouble. So there's nothing, he got backed into a corner by the fact that he doesn't have a great secondary pitch. I mean, he's almost a one pitch guy in that he's got this rising fastball. And he's got these other pitches that are not good that he, or not great at least, that he can kind of mix around until he gets back to that four-seam fastball. You know what he kind of reminds me of is, is Ryan Vogelsong. Uh, interesting, right down to the home run issue, especially after the start Vogelsong had uh, yesterday <laughs> in Los Angeles. But I, 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 I kind of get where you're going with that w- with regards to Hughes. You know, remember the funny, the funny thing was all year or all offseason, even if you're an avid fan of his like I am, freely admitting, I was like, yeah, well, you know, he's not going to repeat that walk rate. Don't worry okay. about that. We just want to make sure that he keeps the ball in the park. Um, and he actually is repeating the walk rate and then some. <laughs> he went from a 2% to a 1.5%. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But like you said, the homer spiked way back up from 0.7 last year to 1.7 this year. So, 
He's got to figure something out. And but it's not, it's not even like you would say, okay, well, that'll regress. Uh, and the 14% is a little bit high, but four, it's not, it's not, that's not crazy. Or, or 20%. He's had a, he had a 12% year, um, of, uh, of 12% home runs per fly ball year, Phil Hughes did. And he had a year where he spent the year giving up 1.65 homers per nine. So, exactly. so you know, he may regress scary. to, you know, the steamer rest of the season has him giving up 1.14, uh, 1. uh, homers per nine. He may regress to 1.2 or 1.3, and then I mean it's it's Lily esque really, and I hate to bring it up all the time, but it's it's Lily esque in that you'll have a a whip under 1.2 and an ERA near four. I mean that was that was what Ted Lily always did for you. No, that, that, that that's great, and I love that you. I actually love that you keep bringing up Ted Lily because it makes me remember Ted Lily. And as I mentioned, I think every time you meant you bring him up, I really like Ted Lily. I mean, <laughs> he had he had kind of a a certain fantasy value, and if you constructed your team properly, you could maximize that value. I still think Phil Hughes will at least have that. I agree with you because you know even in that season that you mentioned, that was 2012 for Hughes, where he, uh, 191 innings for that one six five homer. Uh, he still had a four twenty three ERA and a one two. Six whip one two six is not great, but it, it, it's it's livable. And the four two three ERA is not killing you. Really, in any league, it's not killing you. It's not helping at all, especially in this era. His four five five right now is not good. But I think he can pitch to like a three eighty the rest of the year, which is exactly what Steamer has him at. Uh, coincidentally enough, and, and they got him for a buck eighteen whip. That that has some use. It, it's not a it's it's a below average ERA, but you can get the whip, and uh, you know he goes deep in the games. Often, I, I don't want to say every time, but but often he's usually past that six inning threshold, um, and he can go seven and eight regularly. So maybe they'll get him some wins. I feel like the offense has to get better just from standard regression for the Twins, but who knows? Uh, so yeah, sit tight with Hughes. It doesn't look like a major injury. I just want to uh, make sure we bring it up. It, it it's just wide open right now. They even put mild in quotes in one of the reports that I read because we just don't know. So he's on he's on track for his next start. We'll keep you updated if there, anything changes there. Let's talk about some player movement. We Not as much this time. We had some big call-ups last time. We just got a handful. Um, so let's start with Tim Cooney in St. Louis. He made his major league debut, and it's already over, uh, even though that game is, is only in the sixth inning. He only made it into the third. He uh, Tim Cooney went two and a third, seven hits, three runs, three strikeouts in a walk, you know, how much can you ever really make out of a, out of a guy's debut? They can go, they really seem to go one of two ways. It rarely, maybe I'm full of crap actually, but for me, anecdotally, I feel like they either crush it or they get smashed. It's like the nerves are nothing and they go in there and they rip it or they, they get blasted in like four innings. Uh, I, how often is a guy's debut just six innings, three runs? I don't know. But anyway, Cooney is a command and control guy. Uh, you know, obviously didn't really have it today. His command in the zone was spotty. He was leaving some, some, some nuggets out there and the Phillies, uh, weren't, weren't wasting those opportunities, even though they are losing there because David Buchanan is actually markedly worse than Tim Cooney. Uh, so that game's seven to three, but obviously if you only pitch two and a third, you can't get a win. Do you have any interest in Tim Cooney, uh, as a long-term situation for the Cardinals? Not really. I think for me, the interesting thing is is probably um, is is for me the interesting thing is probably uh, Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And we and we we spoke about him on the on the Tuesday episode when we were regarding that Wayne. Oh, by the way, uh, correction there, but and and this was something I didn't know um, when we were talking about him is that he's hurt. 
Because yeah. remember we were discussing shoulder or something. What's that? Was it shoulder? Uh, pectoral. Oh, okay. That's yeah, uh, GM, the latest update from today, I believe, said, uh, John Mozeliak said that he could be back in a game around May 10th, uh, at the minor league level. So he's a little way out. Uh, he got placed on the, on the AAA DL back on the 22nd. So I didn't know that about Marco Gonzalez. So, you know, we were kind of hyping him up as a potential replacement. I'm still excited about him overall, you know, and if he's only going to miss another 12 days, then, that's fine. We, you know, you can still probably go out and invest on the cheap too. If, if your league allows you to get guys who aren't in the majors yet, go out and get him now when, when he's still hurt. And then if he comes up as he should, I think Marco Gonzalez could be pretty, pretty solid. I agree with you there. He's the real draw. Cooney broke 90, um, a couple times today, but they did put a nine. Yeah, they put a piece of like a plate glass for the strike zone, and he couldn't break that. It kept bouncing off, um, and so yeah, it was it was a weird situation. They just wanted to see if he could break the glass, and he couldn't, even with the ninety mile an hour <laughs> ones. So, but he no, he's a. I'm just I'm I'm being silly, but uh, he's a lefty, so the velocity piece isn't as important right. that because that it be high. Average lefty is ninety and a half, so. so so yeah, just a little bit below average. Obviously, if he's coming from the right side with 88, 90, then it's a little bit more of an issue. But I think Gonzalez is just a better version of, of what Tim Cooney wants to be. So I agree with you. He's the guy to look at if you're trying to speculate on a, on a quality Wayno replacement. The other big move, uh, or I shouldn't even say big move, the other move of, of note, and it's, I'm excited about it personally because I have a weird obsession with, uh, middle relievers who can, strike out a ton of guys like I've, I've been loving that strategy for years and obviously it's it's picking up with like the Wade Davises and the Dylan Batances of the world I honestly believe Jack Leatherstitch who was called up first off the freaking name is just mm-hmm. amazing I've been waiting for Jack Leatherstitch to get his call um, because I'm just really excited about the, his strikeouts are obscene like they're, they're absolutely ridiculous. He doesn't have a minor league season under 14 strikeouts. Um, his last three have been 15.7, 15.4, and 16.7 strikeouts per nine through his seven innings in AAA Las Vegas so far this year. Leathersitch is a uh, 5'11 lefty, 200 pounds, just really uh, – Perfect for a freaking reliever to just be what he is and have the the stats that he's having. So he's going to be part of that pen because the the they've been losing a lot of pieces in that Mets pen. And I think Leathersitch could be a strikeout asset. And in holds leagues, you know the lefties can be really good for holds because they can come in for that one out uh, if they're loogie types and get the hold pretty easily. So I'm excited about Leathersitch. Uh, just from from that unique kind of uh, fantasy value, you got to be in a certain type of league for it. But I think he could be pretty useful. Uh, do you know anything about this guy? I know you're a Mets fan. Yeah, I know he's itty bitty. Yeah, five five eleven. Which, uh, as we always say when we when we list, if you're if you're listed at this, you're probably a couple inches shorter. So if he's listed <laughs> at five eleven, he's probably about five nine. He's 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 got what I like is he's got deception. He's got uh, rise. He's got a, a, a real rising fastball um and uh and he's got a good i guess you could call it power slider uh curveball whatever you want to call it um and just some of the some of the issues have been command over the past and mm-hmm. you know this year he got was in the zone you know last couple of years he's gotten in the zone a little bit better but then the homers have gone up so i wonder if he's just you know throwing it for the middle of the zone 
and uh, giving up some homers. Um, so, you know, that's something to be, that's, that, that's the downside. And it's a pretty that's tremendous scary downside part. Yeah. because it's, you know, if a command guy just, if he has a choice between homers or walks, um, you never know what he's, you know, what, you know, what, either way you're kind of screwed. Uh, but he does have good velocity and, um, yeah, you know, cause he says himself that he doesn't think he's wild. That's what he told David, uh, Lorla. Uh, he says, some people think I'm wild because of the walks, but I'm not going to stop pitching how I pitch. You have to keep what's yours. You, I can't try to be something I'm not and nip corners or slow down my velocity and lay it in there. I've never pitched like that, and I never will. So he's attacking the zone. and So, yeah, I, I respect that about, about Leather Sitch. He kind of knows what he is. He's going to work that way. Uh, at the outset, we mentioned that his size, he's 5'11", uh, 200 pounds. But then you also mentioned he has real velocity too. So this isn't some deception only guy. He's bringing he's bringing the thunder too. So I'm very very excited about him. The reason he was called up or 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 the the corresponding move I should say was uh, Rafael Montero being sent down. He was going to be optioned after the start pretty much no matter what because uh, they're going to do this six man rotation thing. But it's going to be a situation where the guy comes up, makes his start, goes back down, whether it's Montero or somebody else. But it might not be Montero next time because he's ailing a little bit. So uh, Rafael Montero, I think he had a pretty decent start, right? Um, but then the shoulder uh, is flaring up with an issue. He's got some tightness in the back of his shoulder uh, during his Tuesday spot start against the Marlins. So he he got sent back. Like I said, we knew that was coming. A little bit nervous about the uh, uh, about about the injury though. So if in fact, the latest update I'm reading here is that if the test results came back poorly and he had to go on the disabled list, they would rescind the optioning and just put him on the major league DL and probably, uh, you know, go go from there with, with with that. What do you think of Montero? Let's assume let's assume he's healthy. Let's say this isn't going to be a major deal, and he is kind of in this six man rotation situation at least until they want to bring you know Syndergaard into the mix for 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 good. What do you think of Rafael Montero? Because I've always been pretty intrigued by him i shouldn't say always like he's like some seven-year vet he's been around for five minutes but i've liked him um i'm interested in him i'm intrigued what do you think you know it's funny because his major league walk rate is is like four and a half for some reason right now i don't get it Uh, yeah i don't get it because if you you watch him he's got i mean he's at least got very good fastball command I, i don't know if i can say that his breaking ball and change, he has the same command on, but who does? And I wouldn't say that the command is that bad on those. So, you know, uh, you know, here's a guy with great fastball command. That's why walk. I think what's coming out of that number is that he's, he's tentative, a little bit tentative. I mean, he's, he's trying to make it work in the major leagues without necessarily a, a plus plus secondary pitch in terms of, he doesn't have a slider that'll make you, your jaw drop and his change isn't that great. But he has a 93, 94 mile an hour fastball that he can put wherever he wants, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good place to start. I mean, it's a really weird place to start. I don't know that there are a lot of people like him that I can point to. But, you know, a guy like Cologne, you know, these days, Cologne almost doesn't throw anything but the fastball. 80-something percent. But, it, you know, Cologne has very good command of it. And, um, and uh, you know, he... It's uh, it's got good movement, which I don't know that Montero has the same sort of movement. But Montero has much more velocity than Cologne has. I mean, it's just a guy, it's just a name that, that occurred to me. It does sometimes command and a great fastball can get you very far, as, as Cologne is showing right now. But well, you know, one thing that you will see from Montero is that um, you know sometimes he has a little bit 
um, of an issue with holding his velocity. Um, it, it drops, you know, I would say from about 93 and a half to about 92 and a half over the course of a game. And, you know, everybody's pitches drop a little bit. That's a little bit, little bit more than usual. He's also kind of not the biggest guy. Um, in that he's, uh, what do they say? He's a six foot 185. So, you know, that, those are the things that people say when they say he's going to be a reliever. You know, he can't keep his velocity. He's a small guy. The secondary pitches, you know, the change is maybe not there. But, you know, with that command, I know why New York keeps thinking, you know, let's keep trying this as a starter. And um, hopefully he's okay. He comes up and, you know, is up either against an undisciplined team that swings a lot. Uh, that might be a good matchup for mm-hmm. him, and um, you know, just in a you know a nice park against a, against an offense. I thought that, that the start against um, against the Marlins was pretty good. He made a couple bad mistakes, but you know, Wrecker I don't think helped him. I think that um, you know he 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 pitched five and two thirds, three runs, six strikeouts, one walk, and you know at least one of those hits and one of those runs came um, on Stanton, who he was three zero to Stanton. Um, which is, you know, obviously you can have good command and be three zero to Stanton. I mean, you're you you're, you're trying to <laughs> exactly. nip on a guy like that, and um, and so he's three zero to Stanton. He battles back. Um, I think it was three one or three two. I think he got, got it to three uh, two with a couple good pitches, and then he just throws a fastball away, um, you know, in the strike zone uh, at three two, and everybody was like, "Why didn't you throw a breaking ball there?" You know, I mean, it's like. You, 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 they had the base. It's Stanton. You don't want him to drive in the mm-hmm. run. Uh, it was a very, very weird play call. And you know, Anthony Rucker is not Travis Darno, or or even um, Pulowacki for for that for that uh, for that right. much. Pulowacki, so, who uh, probably has some good experience with Montero, being uh, you know they probably matched up in the minors yeah. a bit. No, that, that it was a great start that was going on. He he was uh, at a one hitter through five. Um, with six strikeouts in the one walk, and then the sixth inning is when it went a little sideways there. So I'm hoping Montero's okay because, yeah, I, I, I like him. I, li- I like the stuff that you're mentioning here, the fastball command. There, There's something here, and they're just flush with depth. And, and the Mets, you know, obviously they already lost a huge piece in Zach Wheeler, uh, but they've come out and said we're not going to trade Bartolo Colon. They're just going to ride with what they got because you can never have too much. You know, they got the five up there right now, Harvey DeGrom, uh, Nice, Colon, G., and then obviously Montero has a good six. Syndergaard doesn't even – you're not even touching him. He's, he's, he's uh, in the bubble wrap. You don't have to worry about him right now. That's how much depth they've got. And then Steven Motts, uh, you know, it, it, it's looking nice for, for, the, uh, for the Mets right now. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Again, doesn't look like a major situation right now. If he goes on the disabled list, obviously we'll react that way. But if not, Rafael Montero, someone I'm interested in. Let's talk about some recent performances and uh, how, how how they're uh, stacking up for you. You know, that they're changing your tune on guys, things like that. Um, it looks like Ryan Braun, at least the power is is coming out. You know, uh, he hasn't been great this year. In fact, that that team, I mean, what a nightmare the Brewers have been. So obviously, nothing's really going well. Um, you know, Braun's been kind of blah, but. Three home runs in the last two days. Obviously, that includes a a multi homer game. Just ripped up Cincinnati pitching here uh, after uh, missing the first game. I think he only came in as a as a pinch hitter. Where are you with Ryan Braun? Because coming into the season, we heard health for the thumb, and that was starting to send his his stock up. Obviously, 
uh, we're not seeing the immediate returns. But is this, is Ryan Braun somebody that you're buying, holding, or selling? Well, he got his uh, batted ball distance up to Adam Lynn territory. Hey, that's that's where he, I, that right now. That's not a bad thing. That's the one. That's the one positive, you know, across the board positive that they've got going in Milwaukee right now. So you don't you don't be taking shots at Adam Lind. That's all. That's all they've got. Well, and K Rod, who they brought back, obviously a closer is the last thing that a team that is like one in a hundred needs, whatever the hell their record is. But K Rod has in fact been pretty good. Anyway, um, yeah. Back, no, that, I mean, and the, the, that's why the batted ball distance is a little bit rough in the early going because, you know, you hit three homers and all of a sudden it looks exactly. better. We're still um, in the stage yeah. where two good games, even one big game, can really alter things. Yeah, and even ISO is, uh, is around 190 um, uh, plate appearances or so. So, you know, he... he I, I I still think that he'll he won't hit 25 homes. Okay. And I still think that he won't steal 15 bases. So you're more on the sell yeah. situation. I would I'm I'm hearing then. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like to me, I would value him full season as a 280 hitter with 22 homers and 10 stolen bases, which is basically his depth chart projection. Um, I don't know if it's going to come in 483 plate appearances. That's that seems a little bit low. But I'm not willing to necessarily, uh, you know, move all those counting stats up if he is healthier. I think, um, I think that's sort of where I'm comfortable valuing him. And, and some people will pay better uh, prices than mm-hmm. that. Okay, well, so, you know, I, if, if you're ready to move Braun, obviously got to do it right now on the heels of three homers. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to pull the wool over somebody's eyes and and get a first round pick or anything like that, but. You know, someone who is looking for that uh, that reason to be interested in Braun, this this three homer barrage might have done it. Speaking of somebody who changed his fortunes very quickly with a couple of massive games, Denard Span, uh, he had six hits in his first seven games returning, which isn't even necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's just pointing it out because he then had seven hits in his last two games, including a five hit effort. Denard Span, I mean. You know, these last two games, it's only two games, so we're not going nuts yet, but he looked a lot like that second half version from last year that was unreal and just hitting everything, running, you know, hitting for some good, decent power for, for the kind of player that he is. Uh, just looking good so far coming out of the gate for Denard Span. I know we've talked a bit about him, uh, you know, with regards to his injury when we were saying him or Worth, who are you coming back for? Are you heartened by this, or or does nine games, either way, positive or negative, leave you unchanged with Denard Span? Well, I like the fact that he's seen 162 pitches and missed three that, of them. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah, that's that's nice, uh, and that's the kind of thing that'll that'll lead to a good batting average. I mean, obviously, uh, the the ISO is out of whack. Um, two homers, you know, in his first. 44 plate appearances, and then he'll probably hit two more homers the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so that that part uh, will inflate his batting average, but his BABIP is fine. Um, you know, they they need him. They 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 needed a spark from him. Uh, the on base percentage is within his career range, um, and he tried to steal one base. So uh, and he got it. So if um, you know, I think he can. I think he can steal maybe. 18 or 19 on the year, maybe 20. 
And uh, and I think maybe the, the rest of season batting average projections will be a little bit light. Um, you know, it's hard to say that much. I'm just saying I'll take the over on a 280 rest of season batting average. I mean, he's he's done that. You know, he did that last year. He was 279 the year before. I think he can he can bat better than 280 the rest of the do way. You sus- do but- you suspect that he'll keep up his runs scored per game average? Got, he's got nine <laughs> in the nine games thanks to six in those two super games that he had. Well, he can't get 162 right? runs. So. Uh, yeah, that, that one's already <laughs> out the window there. But he's got he's got nine and nine. Let's let, let's say if he plays 130 games, I'm gonna say 100 percent that he's gonna get 130 yeah. runs scored. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, but uh, that is that is another big uh, potential contribution for him is the runs scored. But the, the lineup is it's good. It's getting better. You know, yeah. It's getting better. And he, you know, he had a, a full season in 2013 with 75 runs. He had a full season with 2014 with 94 runs. Uh, you know, I think his per game runs average could be up um, this year. So I think he can get, you know, 90 runs again, even though he missed some time. I, I agree. I agree. So I, I've been heartened by these these two stars. I wish I'd have had one of them in, in DFS. That would have been great. Obviously, that that five-hit game would have been filthy uh, to have because uh, I, th- I think some of the best DFS teams that night had to have had Denard Span. Um, let's talk about – I want to talk a little bit about H- Hanley Ramirez because – this wasn't a guy that I was hot on coming into the year necessarily. I was just kind of tepid. I did get him in, in a league uh, where I was kind of on the back end, and I did the the, the too low Hanley Ramirez thing. But it's a really interesting league, so it isn't even necessarily a standard uh, situation. Um, so I've only got the one share, but obviously I'm pretty happy with it. He's been ridiculous. He's tied with Nelson Cruz for the MLB lead in homers and RBIs with 10 and 22 respectively. His helmet's fallen off every time he takes a swing, but Hanley Ramirez, I mean, his transformation into Manny Ramirez is is going swimmingly so far. What do you think of him? <laughs> Obviously, the injury concern always is going to loom overhead, but is this a guy you'd go out and, and buy in on even with the super hot start knowing that you're going to have to pay a, a, a premium for him? Well, I don't know. I, you know, somebody asked me if, if in a dynasty league he should trade Solaire and some other pieces uh, to get Hanley because um, he needs a shortstop. And I, I just said, well, I mean, yeah, but he won't be your shortstop next exactly. year. So for a dynasty, league. you know, and this, that sort of situation in one year league to be your your shortstop this year. I mean, it looks like he'll probably be the number one shortstop. I don't think that's. Hey, um, hey, hey. Mar- uh, Starlin Castro. That was my bold prediction. Uh, that's still coming true. You just haven't seen it yet. Don't worry. It's coming. No, I, I, I agree with you. There's, there's a great shot for him to be. We'll see what uh, what Tulo has to say about it. But uh, Hanley has, has gotten himself a big fat lead here with an eight homer and 10, uh, 12 RBI lead on Tulo. Not that Tulo is performing poorly, hitting 308, 13 runs, two homers, 10 ribbies himself. But uh, Hanley is just off the charts right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I we we've talked a lot about Hanley and whether, that I don't necessarily think that the position move will keep him healthier. Um, uh, the one thing that I guess we haven't talked about so much is how he will fare um, in that park. And uh, I mean, so far the results are good. Um, he's a righty. I'm, I'm calling up right now. Um, his pull-oppo splits, which is, that's another thing that's really cool about the new leaderboards. I've been asking for this forever, is that you can get their pull-oppo center. Um, 
And I think that's that's really cool to see because, um, you know, a guy with oppo power, I think, is, is a great place to look for um, for a batting average. And, and you've got um, Hanley Ramirez, his BABIP is 230, but he's hitting 80% of his balls either hard or medium, and 41% of them are hard. And he's got uh, an oppo percentage of 20. His his line is 37, 35, 27. Is that's way more. Um, that's that's. Uh, how would you say this? It's it's more spread out than the average. Okay, for, he, for he Ramirez, goes, he goes oppo and center more than average. So a 233 BABIP with that kind of power, I think it's probably because he has a 48 percent home run say, fly ball. His rate. homers are. I mean, 48 percent. <laughs> that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Well, that's that's the part that's going to regress. But uh, it's nice to see that he's not a, a dead pull hitter. And um, as a as a righty, that's probably a good thing because you know the 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 green monster giveth, but it also takes away. In that it it'll give you doubles, but it'll take your homers. And um, so it's nice that he has power to every field, and um, and he's probably taking advantage of some of the the quirks of that park, and maybe they they really spotted something about his spray chart that that lined up well. So, you know, he's had years. We had a two ninety three ISO in that in that short season in 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 um, L A, and then in 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 Miami had a couple seasons of over 200, 230 ISO when he was younger. Yeah, he. I mean, these are Hanley's got some dirty numbers like you said in parks that aren't necessarily hitter friendly getting him in a hitter friendly park with a hitter friendly division whew, if he can stay on the field this could be a ridiculous year for hanley all right let's yeah. uh let, we got to talk about a couple guys i know we've talked about them a lot but the questions are coming in because both um, are disappointing they're, they're breaking our hearts right now we got to talk about shane green and drew hutchison what i need from you is a, is a comment or two about each and then what are you doing with them? And let's focus on the 10 and 12 team mixers, the leagues where dropping them is a legitimate option. Because um, obviously in AL only, I think you got to keep them. Deep mixer, I think you got to find a way to keep them, even if you have to bench them. But 10 and 12 team, that's where we're really on the cusp here. Let's start with Green. He was destroyed yesterday for seven runs, but did have the eight Ks. The thing was, is that he was nickel and dimed until the ploof homer. And obviously the ploof homer still counts. It's not something that you say, oh, well, the, you know, pull that out. But in terms of was he, you know, really destroyed or was his key mistake just too much to recover from? I think it was more of the latter where, you know, I think there were like two bunt singles, just some bull crap hits. And then came the, 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 the mistakes that uh, were just too much to recover from a couple of bombs. Um, and, and that, that did him in. So now this is two horrific starts in a row against Cleveland and Minnesota. At least the K's were there. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's the one thing you can say about this outing for, for Green is at least the Ks were there. It was looking good, and then just that uh, that fourth and fifth inning, it, it, it fell off the tracks for, uh, for for Green. What are you seeing from him and 10, 12 team mixers? Are you keeping or, or cutting? I'm keeping. I'm keeping. In fact, I just, while we were talking, accepted a trade for Shane Green. I mean, it was the, the principles in the deal were a holiday for um, for Gio Gonzalez, we were talking about this before we went mm-hmm. on there. I just accepted the deal. Um, I like getting Green and, and Gio Gonzalez. I need my pitching staff needs a little bit of help in that league. So in any case, uh, I just accepted a deal for him. I I'm not dropping him. I think he's still 
12 team. I think in a 10 teamer, maybe you can sure. drop them. I think 12 and up, I'm still happy about him. There's one thing that I like about there's two things i liked about his last start first uh it was his best velocity since the beginning um since the beginning of the season so he started out his first two starts at 94 and then for some reason i didn't really hear anything it went dropped down to 92 i i I didn't hear anything either and you you saw it didn't know didn't know what was going on um maybe it had to do with his whole efficiency game there that he was running was you know he he was maybe saving the bullets or whatever. I, I don't know. There, there was nothing that looked labored to suggest that there was an injury behind it or anything like that. So I'm not that worried. But then, like you said, it got back up in this start against Minnesota for green. And then the K's were there as well. I assume that's the other piece that you liked, but uh, yeah, there's still things to like with him. So I agree with holding and I'd try to hold him in a 10 teamer if I could, but if there, there, there's just some juicy names on the wire in a 10 teamer that I would understand if somebody moved on. But for me personally, with my 9 million shares, I'm trying to keep, them everywhere I can because I'm still seeing enough despite these two shellackings that I, I I believe that he is he's that Shane Green is a good pitcher I really do the other thing that he did in this last start it was it was the first time he threw the cutter more than a quarter of the time and when he was going really good last year late last year he was throwing the cutter uh, more than 25 percent of the time he was throwing the cutter basically as much as his as his fastball. Yeah, a ton. I'm looking at the game logs right now. Like these last eight or so outings, he was throwing it probably on average about 20 high 20s times. You know, he has one uh, a low of a 17, but a high of 42 in there for, uh, for the cutter for Shane Green. So uh, in this particular outing, uh, it was 30 times a season high, as you mentioned, and almost on par with his sinker. Yeah, and I think. I think that's that's I think that's key. I mean, if you even if you look at sort of Garrett Richards' breakout, um, you know, a thing that's underrated in in what he did was that he started throwing the slider a lot, and he actually got his. If you look at his, if you count his fastball and sinker as different pitches, and you have you know sort of fastball, sinker, slider as different We're pitches. Talking about, all talking about sudden, G. Rich now, right? Garrett Richards. Okay, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, with Garrett Richards, you, you know, you, you almost don't know what's coming between those three pitches. And, you know, the four seam has rise and a ton of velocity. The sinker has a ton of velocity and, and a ton of sink, a ton of sort of sink and, and run. Um, and the slider goes the other way. So, and, 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 and it's pretty hard and fast. So I think that that's the way out for green is, um, and that's why I think you've got all those whiffs is that, you know, he throws the cutter. You don't know if it's going to be sort of the, the sinker or the cutter. And those go in drastically different directions, but have similar speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so then you can, then you can really, uh, get them guessing on those two early. So you're kind of your first couple of innings, cutter, sinker, cutter, sinker. And then once they have, they think they have you on either the cutter or the sinker, that's when you start bringing in the deeper slider. It's almost a curve, um, and the change up, uh, to, to mix things up. So I think, um, you know, and also another one weird thing is that he, he was throwing a high four seamer last year. Uh, late in the year and Brandon McCarthy thought that would be a really good thing for him and he did it in the first start against Minnesota and he hasn't really done it as much since so I don't know if he's putting that away uh, maybe he should maybe he shouldn't I don't know uh, maybe the, the organization doesn't like high fastballs as much as as New York was willing to do it I don't um, think that uh, you know as far, as far as I know obviously I, I, don't, I don't you know interact with, with the folks in the organization but as as an avid observer of that club 
I, I don't think there's any sort of mandate against it. it. It might just be something that that he's gotten away from himself. But that is that that's the one that he gets up there at, at 95 uh, with regularity. So I would think he would still want to keep it as a you know piece of his arsenal for sure. What about Hutch? But the, oh, good, news is, the good news is, and you know, if he's going to throw the cutter more, those swinging strikes will come exactly. back. Exactly. You know, that's that's part of what happened. Is he he, he was upping the sinker usage and uh, and upping the changeup usage, and those have lesser uh whiff rates than his um than his uh than his than his cutter so and his slider so i mean i like the command is good he's not giving up a ton of homers he got whiffs in the last game i i think there's enough here that i there's no way i'm bailing on this okay so sit tight with shane green obviously i concur on that 10 teamers i can understand you know maybe you're flailing you got some other struggling. I mean, guys. there's Danny Salazar. I mean, you know, ten teamers. There's all kinds of exactly. crazy names. Exactly. So I, I, I can know. understand moving on from there, but every other league format, I'd really try to keep him on the roster. I think Shane Green. Would you rather? Would you rather Shane Green or Brandon Morrow? I knew. I I, I knew you were going to say him for some reason. For me, it's still <laughs> Green, but it's a lot closer because I, I. For me, Morrow was a show me something guy. I wasn't even going to try to take a flyer on him until I saw something. And I'm seeing something, and I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I, I like it. But for me, I'm still sticking with Green. But it's very close. Yeah. What about Green or Hutch? We gotta talk about Hutch. Yeah, I would take Green over Hutch. Um, Three sub five inning outings out of his five. The other two outings were good. We've seen good Drew Hutchison, like. W- even in the midst of some of these uh, blowups, because I've watched not all five of them, but I've watched uh, four of his five outings. Even in the midst of some of the shellackings, you're still seeing the the good parts from him. But in this latest one against at Boston, it was brutal. Four innings, nine hits, six earned, um, five walks, zero strikeouts for for Drew Hutchison. It was bad, and there's just too much inconsistency. And it's a lot like last year. The one thing. That I really hoped that he would he would curb is the uh, the blow up outings obviously because that really sunk him last year. If you if you strip out a couple of them, all of a sudden you're talking about much better than that four four eighty ra. But he can't avoid them anymore. He still uh, uh, he still can't avoid them. He's got too much inconsistency, and I'm starting to worry about Drew Hutchison a little bit. Even though I know he's going to keep showing flashes throughout the year, we just have no idea what the hell we're going to get start to start. What kind of league are you still keeping him in? 12-team, are you still trying to keep him? Or would you move on at this point? I mean, a 9.4% whiff rate overall is still pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the mix of his pitches, he still has, you know, three legitimate pitches. The changeup is legitimate. And the nice thing is he's actually not giving up home runs on the changeup. And the ground year. ball rate ticked upward. So- yeah, so the changeup actually looks, you know, nice. The slider, ever since it got deeper and slower, um, the whiff rate is up. So, you know, 17% whiff rate on the slider, average is, is 13. Okay. 14% whiff rate on the change, average is, is, is 12 or 13. So, you know, he's good there. He's got the ground balls on both pitches and no homers. The sinker looks terrible. He hasn't gotten a single whiff on 24 sinkers. That's not good. And... And he's given up home runs on four. What is four percent of twenty-four? Dude, I can't uh, do that kind of math. Let me get the. Uh, okay, so he's given up. How many home runs has he given up? He has given, given up, up I, that much. I can't do. He's given up four. So he's given up four home runs. Three are on the on the four seam, 
and one is on the sinker. But since he's he's only thrown 24 sinkers, um, you know, it looks worse that he's given up one home run there. He's not getting any whiffs. And the sinker is supposed to be a ground ball pitch. It's, it is getting sort of 55% ground balls, but it's also giving up those home runs. And the sinker gives up the most line drives. So uh, I think he should maybe just turf the sinker. I don't know what it is about it. It has the worst ball rate, too. It, it, people are just taking yeah, the sinker. Yeah, they're spitting on it. His fourth team, the fourth team has a 31% ball rate. That's good. That's good command. The change in the slider have 42% ball rate. So those are not great. He, this guy's uh, a good pitcher. So maybe, like, I... I believe that. Like, I believe he's good. It's just he's still working it out, and I guess this is a great example of just, you know, it's cliche, but the pitching is so freaking hard, you know? And I think he can't command – I think he can command his four seam, and he can't necessarily command his other pitches. And, you know, that makes him have more in common with a Danny Salazar than you might want. And since Danny Salazar throws 96, 97, and, and Hutch is more, you know, 91, 92 – um, I guess that's that's sort of some of the but, difference. Yeah, there. much larger margin for error. But 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 when Salazar gets in trouble, we see it right away, and he can still be prone to trouble too. So, yeah, I, I and Hutch's command issues are probably not even as bad. No, as No, I, I agree so. with that. I agree with that. Um, so, but oh, some of the lows have been worse than Salazar's lows right now. I I, I want to try to stick with him, but in 10 and 12 team leagues, I'm ready to move on if if an option that I like is out there. So I've been advising folks on that. If they give me some names and there's one that really stands out, I would move on from Hutch in those instances, but I wouldn't force it. Uh, if I can bench him, I want to bench him because I, I still believe there's talent here. I'd rather not give up this asset, but you can't sit around forever with these kind of starts. Would you rather... Drew Hutchinson uh, or, or rank CC Sabathia and um, Matt Shoemaker. Oh man, very interesting. I'm still thinking that I've got Hutch number one there, and then Shoemaker and CC. I've just not been on CC. I think I think that's been well established uh, as we've discussed him in the past. He might be a little bit better than Shoemaker. I don't know. I, I still think Shoemaker, you know, it, obviously his numbers are up from last year. 60 RA looks terrible. Too many homers. Um, I think once he irons out his command, though, I, I, I don't think there's too much vastly different from what Shoemaker was doing last year, except that his mistakes within the zone have been up, and that's where he gets in most of his trouble. So Hutch, I still think, is the clear winner there, but that we're talking about a, uh, you know, uh, what the t- tallest little person or whatever the whatever the phrase is there? Well, you probably take Moro over the I, bunch. I right? would uh, Moro Moro versus Hutch. I, I think I'm ready to go Moro. Moro versus Green. I'm still Green. So Green Moro Hutch for those three. If you pick, pick Moro uh, over those those bottom three, and then Moro's arm falls off, like it it might. You can probably go back to one of those That's three. Later, so. Especially in the league where Moro's available. If, if, if he does, in fact, get hurt, which is our biggest fear with Brandon Morrow, there's going to be an, another adequate replacement. That's why I'd try to ride this ride this one out here. Uh, didn't Morrow actually kind of stand up all right in Coors as well? Oh, no, he did get pounded for five. I knew he had a start in Coors already. By the way, can you hear the lawn people outside? They Don't they know that we're podcasting? 
that's 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 our outro right music. uh well we got to finish with one more here uh we're gonna skip some of these but i got i gotta talk about dallas keichel because he's been so freaking good he lost two hits and one run in the first inning to san diego and it's looking like oh man they kill lefties they're gonna get to him because you know no no lefty is immune he then goes out and allows one hit in the next seven innings. Uh, San Diego had the best WRC plus against lefties coming in, and they had such a substantial lead that even this uh, shutdown by Keuchel still leaves them ahead. For, uh, they, I, but I believe they dropped from 166 WRC plus to 130. So now they have just a one-point lead uh, over the Yankees. But Keuchel's been unreal. The Ks are light. Just kind of like they were last year, toward uh, you know, f- for most of the season. I think he started off with a decent K rate, and then it faded to you know, okay, 18%. You can live with that. It's down at 16% this year, but everything else is absolutely on point for Keuchel. How are you valuing him right now? Um, outside from stating the obvious that he's not going to maintain a .73 ERA, how is everything else looking to you? As it relates to Keiko, are you have you moved him up a couple tiers? Do you consider him a firm number two, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I like I like him, and I think um, you know it's 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 significant that he's got his ground ball rate above sixty percent again, sixty five, and so juicy, exponentially better than a, a, a an okay ground ball rate. So. You know, if he had a 48% ground ball rate in the in 6K9 or whatever, I would say, uh, you know, something might give here. But when you're at 65% ground ball rate, you're expected BABIP. You know, the, the rest of season projections all have him with a 313, 301, 311 BABIP. The 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 I don't think Sierra, if they if they were built on Sierra, I don't think that they would say that because Sierra um has uh, as a, as a nice outlook for people who can get ground balls at sixty five percent out sixty five percent. So you know uh, his the Sierra is three point five seven. I think I would give him a three five type ERA rest of season. That would beat all of Zips and Steamer, all the projections on our site. Um, and I don't necessarily think the command is going to change much. And without that Babbitt piece. Um, I don't think his whip is going to be one three oh either. I think he'll probably be more of a one two one two two kind of uh, whip going forward. So three five ERA one two two whip, um, you know six six or so strikeouts per nine. Um, I think that's that's all really yeah. nice. It's not what he's doing now, but it's all really get, nice. Get your K's elsewhere, um, but the, even there, there's probably a little bit of K upside to get back to that 18 percent that we saw each of the last two seasons. But he doesn't need it, like you said, when you're when you're when you're getting a 65 percent ground ball clip. I just I had to get him in there. I was really impressed. Um, you know. Oh, you know, it's worth it's worth pointing out who's number one in ground ball rate this oh, year. It's not him. Um, it's not oh, him. He actually fell below shit. in that last start. Uh, let me try to guess. I know yeah. Felix is this through the roof. Is it Felix? Uh, he's third. Uh, Garrett Coles is very high. Chris Archer. Am I anywhere near? Is it? Is it a? Is it a shitty player? It's not. It's, it's not a great one. Mike Pelfrey. Uh, Ubaldo. Jimenez. Oh, it is a shitty player. You just didn't want to say it. <laughs> well, the reason I wanted no, to bring no, it up just on the way out about him. Because I wanted to say, you know, with Pelfrey, there's been so many years of, of nastiness that even I, I was yelling at him when he was in, in New York to throw the splitter more. And now he's finally throwing the splitter like 20% of the time. 
And so on, I might make him like a deeply interesting guy just because, you know, splitters are great. And, you know, if he wants to throw it 20, 25% of the time, maybe he will finally get some whiffs and grounders. It's, it's, I mean, I love splitters. They're just, they're the, they have the best. I'm right uh, there with you. And I, I've always liked them. Uh, but over the off season, you have made me from a like to a love. I've upgraded my relationship status <laughs> with the splitter, uh, you know, based on a lot of your writing and, and our, our conversations about it. I always used to like it. I'd look for guys that, you know, not a super common pitch, interested in it. Now I'm obsessed with it right there with you. So that's a good call on, on Pelfrey. But talk to me about Ubaldo because this is crazy. You know, he loves no fans being there, no one to boo him or, or, or say that he's a crappy pitcher because he went out and dropped seven innings of three-hit ball, two runs, neither of them earned with six Ks. Now he had the four earned runs at Toronto – but he has zero Ernie's in his other three starts, and just those two unearned runs from the uh, from from yesterday's game. That's it for you, Baldo. So he's he's rocking a 159 ERA, a 7.79 WHIP, a, a great strikeout rate, career best right now, 26%. The walk rate is not great, but at 9.5%, it's right in line with what are what usually qualifies as his best work. He has a 9.5 back in 2011 and then a 9.3 back in the – was that the dream season? No, he had a 10.3 in the dream season. So everything's working well, and now he's become this major ground ball guy at 67%. By the way, we could have played that game all day, and I never would have guessed him. Uh, (laughs) He was on the the rundown. (laughs) That's the thing, too. I'm staring right at his name, and I still never would have guessed him. So – but the, the the reason he's leading is because he's he's going to the sinker more than he ever okay. has, and he's just he's just he's pounding sinkers in there uh, twice as often as he th- as he threw them last year. Uh, he's throwing half as many fa- uh, four seamers, um, and it's really simple if you look at his ball rates on his pitches over the years. The sinker actually he's had the best ball rate on it, so he actually has the best command of a sinker. I'm surprised this this was never suggested before. And, you know, it is also related to the fact that he has such a small whiff rate to go with his strikeout rate because he's basically just throwing uh, sinkers, trying to get called strikes with the curveball, and then going to the splitter as soon as he gets mm-hmm. ahead. And uh, since the splitter has such great uh, ground ball rates, he's also he's getting ground balls or strikeouts with that splitter. It's, it's an effective way for him to go, and I know he's never had a walk rate of um, 3.18 in terms of walks per nine, but you know he's he's had he's had walk rates in terms of percentage like this. So I I don't okay. know. I I mean I kind of want to take the under on on the rest of season projections. I feel like you oh. know this is a major change in pitching mix and somewhat major change in philosophy. Okay, so we got to go back to some of the names we've already talked about then with an either or because obviously I've already made fun of you, Baldo. That doesn't mean I'm not open to uh, exploiting some potential value here. Would you rather go with you, Baldo, uh, or Hutch in a in a 12 teamer right now? 10, 10 or 10 or 12 teamer. It's like you've got a three pitch pitcher without command um, who's had better command historically, and then you've got a two pitch pitcher who's showing command, who's had terrible command historically. Mm-hmm. The, la- the latter is um, Ubaldo for those not following. Yeah, right. I think that's the, that's the, only, that's the only place where I might um, think about it. Um, you know, Shoemaker. Actually, I don't think I would put him up there, but I would put him right below those. I, I think in deeper leagues, 
Um, you know, I would take uh, I might take Ubaldo over House at this point. I, I can I can get behind that. Even as a, I was a House backer coming into the season, I can get behind that. Um, for House in '87 is is not necessarily what we thought was going to happen. With right. House. Uh, for for me with Ubaldo, I think I think I'm going to do something. I believe I've talked about on this podcast. Do the old dip the toe in and maybe go with a few DFS situations with him first. Um, and, and kind of focus on him that way because usually when I DFS somebody, I, I then watch that game pretty intently. So maybe I, w- maybe mm. I would ease in that way before I go out and pick him up because I, I, think, I think everyone's pretty skeptical. But um, as you mentioned, there is legitimate change here even though we are only four starts in. There's legitimate change. So there's, there's reasons to actually consider Ubaldo. So all joking aside, I think he does at least look deserve some love to, to kind of for what he's done. That doesn't mean that you have to go out and get him. But with the way pitchers are falling uh, to injuries, I, I, it's not too far off from, from consideration time for Ubaldo. I remain f- skeptical overall, uh, but I, I think I might DFS him in his next uh, solid – You know, if, if he's not facing a high-quality team, middle or worse – Maybe I'll take a shot because the price isn't through the roof yet, and then uh, and then watch him give up eight earned, and then you'll hear a tirade on this on this podcast. I can guarantee that. <laughs> All right, uh, we got to get going now because I think uh, we're gonna have another nice long episode here. You're about to get ready to go to the ball yard. I got to go back up one last time to the old apartment, finish cleaning that sucker out, and then uh, and then finish that up. So we'll get this up. Have a good time at the yard. We'll be back in a few days on Tuesday. Uh, until then, take care. You know. <laughs>